Hello and welcome to Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is one of your hosts, Brett, with your special New York Comic Con 2013 edition. I am exhausted because it is Sunday night. I've only been out of the con for about five hours and I am tired. <laughs> I am very tired. But it was a really great show. A uh, really amazing show, really packed show, really busy show, and we managed to get a lot of good, fun interviews with some of all the old friends of the show, some new friends of the show, and I really hope you all enjoyed listening to this New York Comic Con roundup. I do believe Matt and I will be reconvening at some point this week to talk about everything that happened at the show, uh, which will be going up next week, and until then, why don't you enjoy... This episode with interviews from Will Sliney, Charles Soule, Cliff Chang, Joe Harris, David Marquez, Gabriel Hartman, and Karina Becco, and Russell Dodderman. Enjoy! Hi, I'm here at New York Comic Con with Will Sliney, artist on Fearless Defenders. How are you? Doing good. good. Uh, and this is, this is your first, this is not your first time in New York Comic Con. No, actually, I've been here a good few times. I was wandering around last year, and that was when I was kind of over here to talk about Fearless Defenders with, with uh, Ellie and Colin, the, yeah. the editor and writer, just kind of as it was getting set up. But uh, I've been to a few of the shows before as well. Because this is uh, in the last big year for you, this last year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like totally doesn't compare with any of the other years. In fact, a lot of the stuff I was working on before Fearless Vendors didn't actually come out until this year as well, so it yeah. all kind of hit in at the same time, so it's great. So it's obviously, like, like I've really, really enjoyed it. I've obviously loved working on the book. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, did you have, like, of all the... It has a very diverse cast that kind of pulls from these all these disparate corners of the Marvel Universe. Did you have... Any affinity for those characters before you got the book, or were there any that you were a favorite of? Uh, I, yeah, no, I did L- bits and pieces, like from obviously from reading Mar- Marvel for years, uh, but I, I didn't know them half as well as I do now. Yeah, uh, and I will admit there were a few people that came up, especially the villains I hadn't a clue who they were. Like I, I, I remember hearing it to do draw Ruby Tuesday, and so I googled her, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like it's, like it's nothing like the chain restaurant Ruby Tuesday at all, or the Rolling Stones song. Yeah, a lot yeah. of Ruby Tuesdays out there. Really <laughs> yeah. So, like, but that's been a really interesting side of it, like, you know, and I think that's kind of the charm of the book as well. So, a big, huge, diverse cast. Yeah, and I love Misty Knight. I don't know, like, she's a great character. I really oh, love yeah, the yeah. Heroes for Hire run. I'm so glad yeah. she found a home after that. Yes. So. Yeah, I think I think she's, people are really realizing how, how good of a character she can be in yeah. the Marvel Universe. You're you seeing know. a lot more Misty Knight cosplayers now, too. Yes, yeah, in fact, there's going to be, there's a, a, a Fearless Defenders photo shoot tomorrow. They're all coming here, so there'll be, like, loads of Misty Knights hanging out with each other. <laughs> And Colin's here as well. He right? is. I haven't seen him yet, oh, uh, but he's definitely here, yeah. So yeah. it's like all the team is back together in a way. Basically, we're, we're actually having a Fearless Defenders dinner at, at some stage over the weekend, which would be really nice. Oh, that's really great. Did you have your cover artist, Mark Brooks? Yeah, he's like right over there. Amazing job here. Yeah. Uh, well, on our show is Matt and Brett Love Comics, so we like to ask creators about comic books they love, or like what sure. comics got you into you know, the passion yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, do you have any like favorites of all time that you want to... Well, what... I, there was no comic stores around for me when I was a kid yeah. uh, except for like I used to get like the, the Dandy and Beano annuals or a few kind of things tied in with like uh, cartoon shows and things like that and it was really the the 90s X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons that like I think yeah. if you talk to anyone from Ireland that's kind of where yeah, it that's all what started. Declan said last year yeah. when I talked to him <laughs> there you go because that's all we had access to and then and then I started being able to get uh, Pinini did reprints of some of the yeah. The Marvel stuff, so it was around the time of the clone Spider-Man clone saga, and it, I think it was like 
the Joe Madureira X-Men arcs that really got me and like I used to be redrawing a lot of those pages and going oh this is amazing and then it was actually it was only in college when I found that you could kind of get a job in comics <laughs> and write at that time a comic book store opened there so it just kind of flew from there then basically so you see so Marvel Comics kind of got you in the door I guess yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but I think well the Bruce Timm cartoons obviously as well were huge for me like yeah know, I mean I guess that Batman cartoon was pretty good <laughs> I, I don't it was know all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean are there any like dream Marvel characters you would like to yeah draw I, you haven't gotten to like yet? I love obviously love like Spider-Man and X-Men from those shows uh, the book I would love to do and I can because he's dead is I'd love to do some Banshee and I, uh, I, I really really uh, wanted to do yes, uh, uh, I'd love to do a Banshee and Captain Britain book where they hate each other because they're both Irish and English see this is the thing I don't know like being an American I don't know these like well these we don't things. hate but like no, but there's, I, I there's would, obviously there's history yeah, there but I would love to say. see that like because I don't know if Banshee and Captain Britain have ever been like yeah. in a comic together really? probably not probably uh. not because they were definitely trash I love uh, Siren is also one of my favorite characters yeah. his daughter I love yeah, yeah, her yeah, yeah, yeah. she's uh, cool so I would love to I would love to see you draw it we get Siren in the Fearless Defenders yeah actually that would have made sense I did get to bring Shamrock in yeah that was my Irish thing so <laughs> I was happy with that and I got to we were very particular about Irish accents back home as well so I got to proofread it and make sure it wasn't like Darby O'Gill and the little people you know <laughs> or she wasn't sounding like a leprechaun <laughs> awesome so. are there any um, like cool things you like to do when you're in New York like local things that you're going to try and do when you're not at this um, show like I, I've done it all because I li- kind of lived here for yeah. a while and my my touristy stuff then is usually if, I used to be when I was living here friends came over to visit I would kind of go and show them I love like the Highline I, was, I yeah. actually got to draw that one of the issues I was just really telling cool. like uh, I was talking to Gabe Hartman I was like the yeah. Highline has become this thing that is now in every Marvel comic like, or they artists, put, is it, oh, I didn't I, know it that actually, like Paul yeah. Rivera put it in an issue of Daredevil yeah. like yeah. the month after and it it's, opened it's hard to draw like because there's <laughs> so much going on with all the construction I was saying this earlier we went past it and then on the top you got to do all the plants and oh everything, yeah like, you know? do you use like a lot of Google Maps and stuff um, to get... well like, like I, I was at the Highline a lot of times oh, okay. so I took a ton of photos so yeah. but uh, like Street View obviously really helps all that super helpful yeah awesome well uh is there anything you can tease about what's coming up with Fearless Defenders? I mean, uh, well, Ren's sticking around for a while, which is yeah, really, really just good. Just introduced this so, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I'm re- Did I'm you really have a hand in a, like co-creating her, like designing her look? Oh yeah, I got to design like ba- like basically Colin described her, and he came up with a really cool visual kind of cue that she has yeah. with the ribbons. But uh, it was all me from then on, and kind of went back and forth, sending a few things in. But uh, yeah, I had a big part. A lot of dancer research, dance moves. Uh, yes, <laughs> actually, I got it. Like Colin was like, "Can you go?" And he basically listed me out all these movies. Like I was like, "Oh my god!" Just sit down and watch. Does Colin Stomp have like a, the yard? Does he have like a musical I think, side? I think to him? he's secretly a professional dancer. Stomp the yard, yeah. really? Like, yeah, that was one of them, oh, and uh, the usual kind of ones then as well. Uh, so you got yeah. served? Because you got served? Uh, there? No, I didn't go that far. I saw the South Park. Okay, it. so it's good. <laughs> awesome. Well, it was really good to talk to you. Uh, you're going to have a you. big year. I, this is yeah, a great it's been book. Brilliant. Thank I you. I love this book. Thank you so much. Great. And so check out all Will's work. Definitely read Fearless Defenders. Awesome. Well, I'm here at New York Comic Con with Charles Soule, who's having a big year, I would say, or a big month, very big month. I, well, it's a big month, but it's also been a pretty big year. I yeah. mean, uh, <laughs> at, at New York Comic Con last year was when I, I first met um, my DC editor who ended up hiring me for Swamp Thing. So, so it's almost the one-year anniversary of things kind of going crazy for me. So, and you're also um, you also exploded at Marvel recently, taking over Thunderbolts. Uh, also exploited at, ex- at Marvel. Uh, exploded. Ah, well. Unless exploited, do we want to get into some? No, 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 stuff? no. I certainly. Uh, it's it's been it's been great at Marvel. Great at DC. Everything's been really good. Uh, and you have She-Hulk coming out, which is a book that I'm super excited about. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, I mean, full disclosure, I've been interviewing you for Marvel.com about it, so, yep. I mean, there's a little bit of history here. Uh, but um, what are you most excited about with writing She-Hulk? Um, I think She-Hulk is, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm an attorney myself, yeah. and so the idea of writing a superhero attorney, I mean, there are only 
two that I can think of off the top of my head. The other one's Daredevil, yeah. <laughs> and and She-Hulk is is great because she's really she's really fun. She's really you know she's a female character, which I kind of like writing. It's just a good time, and and you know her approach to being a superhero is not really grim and gritty and dark. It's like let's let's see what we can do with this. Let's have a good time. So um, you know it's going to be fun to bring my own kind of professional background and history into it. And obviously the art by Javier Polito is going to be stunning. So yeah. it's going to be just amazing stuff. Uh, with our podcast, we always ask people like what their favorite comics were, what got them into comics. Mm-hmm. Like uh, since our podcast is Matt and Brett love comics, we'd like to ask people what they love. Sure. So do you have any like favorite comics that you like, yeah. draw inspiration from? Um, well, there's there's sort of a, several phases of my comic fandom. The first thing that kind of got me in was probably Secret Wars two. Back, oh, wow. in the, back in the day, the Beyonder and his yeah, Jerry Curl yeah. and everything. Uh, and then after that, it was, it was the Frank Miller stuff, kind of when I got a little bit older, sort of this is, you know, uh, you know Dark Knight Returns and, and those stories, Ronan, all the rest of yeah. it. Uh, and then after that, the, I sort of took a, took a dip down for a little while, and then what really brought me back in a big way was, uh, was Bendis' Ultimate Spider-Man, which oh, I just okay. thought was so, like, well-written and funny and, like, everything comics could and should be. And so then, um, you know, it wasn't long after that that I decided maybe I would want to do my own and... Now I'm doing some of my own. It's great. I can see all of that in, the, in your writing too, because your influences seem like a mix of like the like Frank Miller, which is very like you know dark and serious, mm. and then also like a little bit Spider-Man, which is like fun. Yeah, yeah and that yeah. was very like evidenced in like the Lex Luthor and Swamp Thing one shots that came out in the same week, which was sure. like two different tones. Yeah, yeah. Do you, yeah. Cons- do you consider yourself a master of tones? <laughs> uh, no, I don't consider myself a master of anything. I, I do enjoy writing different feels and books, um, and, and I like to try and sort of go all in um, because it's. For me, you know, if you're just repeating yourself over and over again, that's not really interesting for, for me as a writer or presumably to, to readers. So yeah. I like to mix it up when I can. And uh, lastly, I would like I want to talk to you about um, like 27 and your your rock and roll history. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> you uh, you played a show last night. Yep, I did. Uh, how long? When did you get into music? Um, I started playing violin when I was three. My mom kind of made me do it, and then I started playing guitar when I was in high school. Uh, and I've been in bands ever since, pretty much. So I, wow. I love playing music. It's it's obviously informed some of my writing. Um, you know, I don't have as much time to do it as I used to, but I, I play as much as I can. It's a blast. Do you listen to music while writing? Yes, absolutely. Uh, do you even like do you, like Kieran Gillen makes these extensive playlists for every book? Right. Do you do the, do the same um, thing? No, I tend to just grab because I'm writing so many different things. Like I don't really, you know, it, it wouldn't really work to have a specific. Play. I just don't have time to make playlists. <laughs> but um, I I do listen to a lot of things sort of all at once. Recently, I've been listening to the Man of Steel soundtrack a lot. Yeah. Uh, and and the soundtrack to the movie Oblivion um, and uh, things like that. Sort of like big orchestral awesome. action movie soundtracks. So. Awesome. Great. Well, it was really great talking to you. You're gonna have a big year. I have a re- really good New York Comic Con. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I'm here at New York Comic Con with Cliff Chang. Uh, hello, Cliff. Hi. Uh, you've had a pretty big year, a couple of years, with Wonder Woman being a huge success. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Working with Brian has been great, and we've gotten some really great um, artists also in rotation. Uh, right now, Goran Suzuka and I are going to be all alternating every three issues. Oh, and so great. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, and you've also done a lot of character design on this series. I feel like, has this series had a lot more like heavy lifting character design-wise than any other you've done? Uh, I think so. Uh, you know, from the Greek gods to you know, and the new gods, uh, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of character design. It's been a lot of fun to try and honor some of the older designs, but at the same time, make do something different with it and go in a different direction. Yeah, and between like the new gods and the Greek gods, these are characters that have a lot of history. In the Greek gods' case, like thousands of years of history. <laughs> so, was it hard to like distill all that stuff down into a modern design, like all that history? Surprisingly, it wasn't. With the gods, um, we were very much going more for an urban fantasy yeah. kind of feel where um, what we needed to figure out was what was the gods' personality, what was their distinguishing characteristic, and then make, turn that into a visual. So there was always, you know, once we knew what the character was, we could really move from there. So yeah. it, it, 
it was great to be freed from some of the constraints of having to make things look classically Greek. Um, there were no melted candle heads. Yeah. In, in chicory. Yeah, you know, we, we tried to avoid doing anything with like togas. Yeah. Because people have seen that already. And they, they've, you know, even Clash of the Titans, the new Clash of the Titans movie didn't do it, you know? Yeah. So um, these things do need to be freshened up. They do need to be looked at, you know, um, a second time at least. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was. It was just a cool process uh, of going back and forth with Brian to figure out what each character was. Yeah. Discovering and, the character, really. <laughs> and listeners know that we, last week, a couple weeks ago, read Green Arrow, Black Canary, so I'd have to ask you at least one question about that run, uh, sure. which we loved. Your art Was that one of your first uh, like major works? Um, it's probably one of my first bigger launches for DCU. Yeah. yeah. And you also got a chance to draw Wonder Woman and all the Amazons in that arc. Did yeah. you have any inkling back then that you would become so synonymous with Wonder Woman like five years later? No. Although I, I think maybe Dan DiDio did. Uh, <laughs> you know, after, after that, after Green Arrow and Black Canary, I was asked to do um, some of the Wonder Woman books, um, work on Wonder Woman after that, but I didn't have the time. It kind of conflicted with some other projects I had going. Um, but once the New 52 rolled around, it seemed like... Uh, Dan really wanted Brian and I to work on it. Perfect fit. Yeah. And lastly, I just want to ask you, like, what comic books did you love, like, growing up, or what got you really into this medium and this art form? Wow, that's, um, that's, it's kind of a two-stage question. I would yeah. say the first, you know, when I first started reading, I was reading Fantastic Four by John Byrne. Oh, wow, yeah. Writing and drawing. Um, that book monthly was incredible. Uh, I was, you know, 10 years old, and it hits you right, like, the sweet spot of, like, science fiction and superheroes yeah I was also reading um, Paul Smith X-Men comics uh, oh know? yes because okay this is where I'm going to freak out because that is my favorite run of X-Men yeah. and last year at New York I bought the print that you did okay. of that and it is in, it's framed in my living room because <laughs> uh, that run is so great I see so much influence in, from his style in your work too Paul Smith's work is um, was such an eye opener for me because and I was lucky that it was some of the first stuff that I saw because it's so, it's such great storytelling. Yeah. And it's very graphic. And, and his, you know, his drawing is fantastic, but like his, there's a sense of composition to it that I tried to assimilate very early on because I'd see these awesome comics and then I'd try to recreate, i try to draw them. I'd draw yeah. panels from, you know, X-Men 172 or whatever. God, that... I think that's that's the issue with Rogue and Wolverine yeah. together, and that's that great Silver Samurai Wolverine fight. Yes. Yeah, and it's like Chris Claremont, who is known for his verbosity. Like I talked to him about this, like he was like, I knew not to yeah. clutter those pages. Yeah. Brilliant, you know, it was really really great stuff, and um, it was such a shock to the system, you know. Uh, so I read comics for a few years, uh, but then I think as the um, direct market started to rise yeah. and you were seeing less comics in like the, the 5 and 10 you know shops um, that's when I stopped reading because then I had to like subscribe and then the comics I was subscribed to weren't very good and it was hard to get to a comic book shop um, a dedicated comic book shop uh, so I didn't read again until I was in college and then I started reading Sandman and Hellblazer and uh, Madman um, and The Crow uh you know, and, and that kind of reignited my love for comics and then kind of got me going, you know, until I graduated and started getting interested in, like, Bone and Paul Pope and, and wanting to do my own stuff. Wow, awesome. Well, it was really great talking to you. I'm sure you're, having, I'm sure you're having a great con so far. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so uh, keep having a good weekend. Thanks, you Thank too. Thank you.
Uh, I'm here at New York Comic Con with Joe Harris, writer of X-Files Season 10. Nice to meet you. And he's also, uh, as listeners of the podcast know, I'm a huge X-Force fan. You also wrote one issue of X-Force. I wrote two, two. issues you wrote of Issue yeah. 101 as well, right? Yeah, 101, yeah. How do, wow, and you know, 76? 77. 77. That was uh, my first published comic. Oh, really? Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, you were already on Slingers at that time. No, 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 that came out before Slingers. That was back when I was very uh, young and, I guess, half stupid and, uh, <laughs> you know, not really knowing what I was doing. But I, ha- I got all these amazing opportunities at Marvel back at a time when... Um, not much was going on over there that yeah. was that was you know th- there was an opportunity to be had and I took it and uh, it was a, that was a fun time I, I hardly remember half of it but um, I do like those X Force. Your issues. issue had that really great uh, meltdown and the little girl cover that Adam Polina did. Yeah, like yeah, the... yeah. We did the Saturday Evening Post cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, How... we... Do you, did, were you for, did you know Adam then? Was Adam and I grew up together. Oh, we, went really? to high, we grew up on the same block. Uh, I'm a New York City kid, but I went, to the, I went to high school on Long Island, so we grew up at opposite ends of a neighborhood. He was a couple of years older than I was, um, but we knew one another through mutual friends. And uh, when he started working at Marvel, I had been eagerly following his career oh, yeah. as, he, as he started at D.C. He went to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design. I was always impressed with Adam's, both his ability and his, uh, his tenacity. And uh, when he made it, when he got in, when he got under the door, he was the one that extended opportunities to me. Oh wow! He turned uh, he turned editors on to what I was doing. I had gotten out of film school, um, and he brought some uh, Marvel editors at the time down to a screening of mine, um, and we hit it off. And that's how I ended up working for Marvel back when. It makes sense because Adam also did the zero issue of Slingers. I yes, and that was all that was all just because we're friends, <laughs> and I amazing. and we need, and we needed somebody so. It's so great. Yeah, we, we've always liked working together, so yeah. we're, 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 we're really tight. We're really tight, so. Uh, and, I mean, also, um, Slingers being one of my favorites. I mean, I was in eighth grade when Slingers was coming out, uh-huh. so I guess that date, that shows the age difference, I guess. I don't know. Oh, man, it dates me, so. Yeah. so. <laughs> uh, but it, uh, that was one of my first, that was, like, one of the first books that I read that was, not everyone's reading this, and I felt like I was, a, like, in on the club. Like, I was in on the secret. That's very of, like, flattering. getting that book, and I felt, it was, like, the first time that I was on a message board, and we were, like, viciously trying to save the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what was that experience like for you? Like, I guess that was one of your first major things. And you it, was your, your... it was the first monthly thing I yeah, ever did. Pretty um, quickly after you started. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on a lot of levels, I, I was in over my head, certainly. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I was probably making it up as I went along, um, thinking I knew what I was doing, of course, which is usually the way. It's only in retrospect when you're older and wiser that you realize how much you don't know, right? So <laughs> yeah. um, so it was a trip. I mean, I had you know these opportunities all thrown at me at once. Um, I tried to convert on them as best I could. Uh, you know, I tried to do something different at the time, which, and I think we did. I don't oh, think yeah. I don't think it read like what else was going no, on I mean, in the, the Spider-Man universe. The first universe issue and, was, you know, those four different things, yeah. all with like different vignettes. Uh-huh. And it was so interesting, thing that I've never yeah. seen before. Yeah, and we, did, we I took this. I, if memory serves, again, we're going back a number of years, <laughs> yeah, and many is... many brain cells ago. But uh, what I really wanted to do was explore what it would be like for four kids to come into these capabilities in the yeah. Marvel universe and. Um, there wasn't that much of a model for it then. I think we, that's been done much better since, and because we, you know, we have the experience of looking back, and then you can deconstruct yeah. and do things based on expectations. And 
So we, you know, we did the best we could to do something different, and uh, and the response, you know, I meet I meet guys like you. <laughs> they, people do come up to me and they remember Slingers. If I post something on my Twitter feed, everyone's like Slingers. You know, I'll, I'll throw a piece of artwork I might have hanging on my wall or. Because I feel like it filled it filled that niche of like Buffy and like Runaways and things like that would eventually go on to fill, but like Slingers did it first, and I, you know, there's there's that hole there that I, and also just showing college kids, which is for some reason is like an age group that is not explored. It's always teenagers or adults and like mm-hmm. that. That in between thing, yeah. you don't see that much. Yeah, I don't know if I, if I, if I mean, they let me do it. I don't know if I was such a, a clever marketer that I thought <laughs> this is the right way to do it per se. Yeah, it's just my experience. I was soon out of college, so you know, relating to that sort of getting thrown into a situation where you're meeting a lot of new people for the first time and letting that be a driving yeah. force for how these kids came together. Yeah. And now you have Wars in Toyland, which is with Adam Polino. Yeah. So I got to know, like, what was it? How did you get him back? How well, you... Wars in Toyland, this is something we've been working on for 15 years in different wow. incarnations. Um, we were originally going to do it as a book at Marvel way back when. Uh, back when there was no model for them doing create-our-own stuff. Yeah. And, um, but but we, we thought there might be an opportunity, so we had begun working on this idea. And we, and, and we fielded all sorts of different uh, offers and, and, and permutations over the years. We, we, we tried to do it as a, as a young adult fiction novel at one point uh, because we had some agents that were interested in it. We, we, we teased some film opportunities with it before. But based on my relationship with Oni Press, um, you know, we did Ghost Project and Spontaneous yeah. and, and all that first. It seemed like um, let's get this into the pipeline over there because uh, they do a great job packaging stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of interest in it now in terms of movie stuff. I think we're going to be making some announcements in the coming oh, months good. related to Wars in Toyland. Um, yeah, so Adam and I were, you know, finally able to put something down on paper to represent this idea we've had kicking around for the last decade and a half. Can you get him to come to a convention? That is impossible. It's hard. It's hard. He, he actually lives in Bali. Yeah. He lives yeah. in. He lives in. Uh, yeah. He's an expatriate, kind of <laughs> off the grid. I kind of have to go through back channels to, to get in touch with him. It's like trying to land a. Try, it's like trying to land a, an interview with the Taliban or something. Know this, you know. Yeah. Like you this gotta, is. I don't know. Like if listeners of the podcast know that X Force is my favorite comic of all time, specifically like his run. So I don't know, let's relay these messages to him. So yeah. Smoke no. Signals or something. I, he, he, he's going to be doing a, uh, a a cover for Great Pacific, which I can oh. actually show you. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I, I'll show you in a minute. Um, uh, he's going to do a variant cover, and I tweeted it that he was drawing it in my living room the other day because he was in town, and people were like, "Oh my God!" You know, Adam, <laughs> people really, you know, he's, he if he wanted to come back into comics, there would be a base of people that are, yeah, that are really like, like receptive. Yeah, it's like Dave Chappelle, like you quit at the top of your yeah, game, like yeah. he did that, you know, a t- couple years of X Force, then did like Rise of the Apocalypse, yeah, and Angel Revelations, that was gone. Yeah, that's like it's, it's kind of like yeah, just leave, just leave it, leave when you're on top. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it was really good talking to you. Uh, we'll put links to Wars in Toyland up because cool. everyone needs to check it out. Uh, awesome. And thank you again. Have a great New York. Thanks, man. Excellent. Appreciate it. Well, I'm here at New York Comic Con with David Marquez, who's Hello. having a big day. Hello. Huge thing. I think the last, um, actually, I think the last time I talked to you was back uh, when you first were taking over all new X-Men. Okay. Uh, and I interviewed you for that, and you were talking about how excited you were. And now we're, you know, a year later almost. How has your experience been doing all new X-Men? It was, it was fantastic. I mean, uh, Brian and I, first an Ultimate Spider-Man, then an all-new X-Men, I feel like we've really gelled as a creative team. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it's great getting to work with him in a completely different universe, completely different characters. Uh, and also, I grew up as a huge X-Men fan, and so getting to draw the X-Men for me was a complete dream come true. Turns out, also drawing a team book is a huge pain in the ass, <laughs> having to draw, like, 12 characters on every single page, but... 
Um, that said, like I will draw X Men till the cows come home. I love that book. Are you listening, uh, Marvel Evans? <laughs> uh, are there any X Men that you didn't get to draw in your run that you really wish you had? Um, I would love to draw Gambit and Rogue. Oh, uh, being God. a child of the '90s, oh. I grew up on them. So I mean, I would love to get to draw them some point. Um, I will say though, getting to draw Jean Grey. When yeah. no one's gotten really to draw her for the past five or six years, like that was amazing. Now it may not be the adult Phoenix Jean Grey, but like I, I got to draw Jean Grey, so that yeah. makes me very, very happy. Well, you also got to draw some of like those dream sequences and stuff too, right? Like with the, did you get to do those or were those? I all think imminent? that was all imminent. Okay, but um, I, I did get to draw a Hydra, and that was fun. Yeah. Um, I got to draw tons of Wolverine, and who doesn't get you know? Well, and just Kitty Pride, you have this and amazing tons of Kitty Pride right up here. Yeah, uh, I love Kitty Pride. So you said that you loved X Men as a kid. Like, were yeah. those the comics that specifically like got you into drawing and yeah absolutely um i grew up uh like late 80s early 90s so like you know jim lee's x-men was my jam i love that stuff and uh whenever i got into comics that was i guess it was the claremont jim lee x-men run that really got me into and then from there i went out got branched out into mcfarland spider-man larson spider-man i mean you know name a 90s artist and i was obsessed (laughs) with them um but yeah, it got me into comics. It got me into drawing as well. I think my first drawing that I was really happy with was me copying Jim Lee drawing Gambit. So, yeah. so it's that that Gambit love goes way far. It goes back. very deep. Goes very deep. And also, you are one of the only, really, two artists that have drawn Miles Morales on that series. So, do you feel like a kind of special sense of ownership with that character, or like a bond that will forever be? <laughs> At this point, I feel a definitely a, pair, a, a sense of shared ownership. So, I mean, yeah. like it's Brian. He's Brian and Sarah's baby, but. I feel as I'm like I'm like the stepdad or something, you know. It's it's I I, I have a, a very very strong fondness for the character and having drawn. I mean, I think that Sarah and I are about equal now in how much we've drawn yeah. Miles. So, especially the older version of Miles, I feel a very very strong sense of ownership. Oh, really? Um, well, I mean, get, aging him up by a year. I mean, the way the way all the characters change and like you know the, the way his physiology changes and moves and stuff like that was all something that I put a lot of thought into oh, yeah. and while I built it clearly off of what Sarah did I feel very strong as if like that was my contribution now to the, to the Miles Morales mythos that's the thing I don't really notice that much in comic books is like characters actually physically aging like that like usually they just kind of stay the same character model for 30 years and with right. Miles with that forward jump in time I mean he's a teenager he's going to change a lot so I mean what did you take into consideration when actually aging him up like was there a lot of like photo reference done or oh that's much photo reference um, I've always drawn and sketched people and I feel as much more than other parts of drawing I feel very that, that's my strength is yeah. drawing people and more than drawing people is drawing people who actually look unique yeah. and look consistently unique if that makes sense so with working with Miles it's a matter of like well looking at not so much photographs but thinking about how someone's physiology changes from an adolescent to a teenager. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for a 14-year-old, he may look a bit, you know, a bit old for a 14-year-old. I want to make it clear, like, he's looking more like a man now. He's more like a, a young athlete, like a high school swimmer or something. Yeah. So if anything, I was a swimmer as well growing up, so maybe I was channel, channel, uh, channeling that to some degree. Um, but, you know, getting a little bit of a square jaw, making his eyes a little bit smaller, broader shoulders, longer neck, just you know, very, very subtle, but... Um, uh, specific changes so that it's still miles but he doesn't look like a kid anymore awesome great well it was really great talking to you uh, I'll let you get back to your big big weekend thank you very much <laughs> uh, so yeah thanks again thank you I'm here at New York Comic Con with Gabe Harbin and Karina Becca how are you guys doing today Good, good. <laughs> it's Is that like, a long enough delay before we said good? Yes, yeah, there's a lot of pause. Like, what's happening? What's going on inside? Uh, it's Saturday, so it's been a big weekend, I would imagine. So you guys have had a big year since last we talked, a year ago. Yes. I feel like you've had about 20 
new series starts instead? Yeah. Well, Cataclysm had had two or three issues out, I think, about that time. Maybe yeah. two? That might yeah. be. I, I'm, I'm really not sure. But, yeah. I mean, uh, but yeah, that, that series is done. We, you know, it was 12 issues, and we had done two um, miniseries previous to that. So, uh, you know, we had a decent run on the, the Apes books that yeah, we were very like happy with. Issues total, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, yeah. Great run. I have to ask, Boom just signed that deal with Fox. Yeah. We're like, Fox now, like, they have that, like, Fox gets first look rights at all Boom properties, and Boom can use all Fox properties, and then Boom can turn, or Fox can turn the Boom adaptation. Like, yeah. is there ever going to be a Cataclysm movie? What are the odds of that? I, uh-huh. I think the odds are very slim, but the odds of a, uh, a Mother Jugs and Speed comic adaptation, <laughs> I think, are pretty good. <laughs> Have you guys been looking through, like, what movies Fox has? Like, what, what Yeah, because I just came comics? up with Mother Jugs yeah. and Speed off the top of my head. <laughs> Is that the, that's the priority? That's the number one? Well, I honestly, I, that's I, Dirty Mary Crazy Larry is the movie that I'm okay. going for. <laughs> Uh, and you also started Star Wars Legacy over the past year. Yes. I uh, wrapped up that first arc, and dear God, that is a great comic. Oh, oh thanks so I, much. I thanks swear, so like, I, I, I feel like I haven't read that many extended universe things before because they don't really capture the essence of Star Wars. And how did you guys pull that off? How did you guys... Well, I mean, isn't that just the issue with every licensed thing? That, yeah. that you want it to have that feel, but but you don't want it to just be telling the same story again. Yeah. And it's a tough that's a, it's a tough thing to angle towards. But, yeah. um, but, you know, much like with the Apes thing, uh, with, with Star Wars, we, I mean, I always personally just really, really wanted, you know, to read a Star Wars comic that felt like Star Wars yes. to me, that felt like that you know, that world, and, uh, you know, and that's the challenge of it, and we just did our best to try to try to do that, although it's clearly, you know, it's, it's you know, very different characters, it's a very, you know, it's a different period of time, the, the iconography is not the same, but we just, you know, uh, we just, I don't know, we just tried to give it that pulpy yeah. adventure feel. I think it was easier in a way that it's so far into the extended universe, because it's not, we're not tied into a lot of the history, we're at the very end. Yeah. Of, of the timeline, so we have more freedom, I think, than a yeah. lot of people that have to go in between. And here's the yeah. thing. What we're totally not interested in doing with these things is uh, is just, you know, threading the needle, telling these, you know, telling the, the story that intertwines with yeah, the, like, uh, the, how with did the movie. How and Mars meet? Yeah, <laughs> like, what, whatever happened to that Ugnaught, you yeah. know? Like, I, I, that's just so not what we want to do, That would be a great you know? Star Wars, I, like, Star Wars, whatever happened to that Ugnaught, Ugnaught. Yeah. A great subtitle. Yeah, that but, might be our fourth one. <laughs> I, I may be changing my mind about this. Okay, yeah. You know, I don't What's know. You, but, um, but like, it, because that—that's just like that. That those aren't stories to me. You know, yeah. I mean, like, I, a, a story. I mean, and well, some people are very good at that, though. I think uh, some people are very skilled at doing that, and they can make a great story out of that. But I don't think that's where our strength lies. No, no. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Brian Wood is good at, at oh, you yeah. know, uh, at you know. I mean, but he—he's not. You know, he's not sitting around like you know just explaining little details of a thing. He's telling it more personal stories yeah, he's for the characters. Dealing with the ramifications you know. that George Lucas is like, let's just jump ahead in time. Don't, yeah. don't worry about yeah. this stuff. Although, I mean, I I, I could definitely see the um, you know uh, the argument for that. I mean, I I was uh, I uh, I listened to an interview with the Gary Kurtz, who yeah. was the uh, you know he was the producer for the first two movies, yeah. and to then had a. Um, you know, falling out with George Lucas and, and didn't work on Return of the Jedi. And, uh, you know, and he was, you know, he was making the point that, that 
uh, that it didn't make a lot of, you know, a, a lot of the stuff about, about the prequels and about, you know, doing the special editions and, and stuff like that, it, it uh, was sort of antithetical to the idea the initial idea of it, which would be that you'd be thrust into this world, yeah. you don't know exactly how it all works, and you have, and you make big leaps to fill in the gaps. So you're challenging the audience to make these leaps and imagine that there's uh, there's more going on, you know. And uh, and I mean, I that's basically our philosophy for it. I mean, we we are not about you know uh, you know letting you know every little biographical detail of somebody or, or whatever we, yeah. we want to create a situation where you're asking those questions and we're moving forward that's, that's what Star Wars Legacy has so much of it's, yeah. it's like it's, I don't know any of this stuff but it still feels in a way it's like not knowing all the answers it's like this intrinsically Star Wars thing it, it is but it's also Lucas just a real it's a pulp storytelling yeah. thing you know and like that's a lot of the kind of stuff that we like and so it, it you know for us, sensibility-wise, it worked together really well. Yeah. Not to mention the fact our editor wanted new stuff. Yeah. So he wanted new planets, new star systems, new characters. Absolutely. And we were yeah. Great. That, that was the mandate at the beginning, and we're like, yeah, fuck yeah, so, sure. It's great. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> we like making up stuff. Awesome. Well, uh, how, how much longer is it going to go? Like, for a foreseeable future? Or? Well, we're writing uh, issue 18 right now, okay. and I'm or no, we're writing 16. 16 You're right. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, the and. I'm drawing 12. So, I mean, you know, we don't, we can, you know, we're not in charge. We we, we can't tell you, you know, but like, but, but still it's, you know, there's going to be a decent sized run of this book. I can't wait. Uh, Well, it's really good talking to you again, let you guys get back to your work. Uh, I want to have you on the podcast talking about Kinski. Yeah. At some point. Love you. amazing. Oh, thank you. Uh, Maybe when the next issue comes out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope that's soon. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be worth the wait. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys. All right. Thanks. (laughs) I'm here at New York Comic Con with Russell Dodderman, artist on Superbia. Just wrapped up your run, and also the artist of the most amazing X-Men print at the convention. I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we sold out yesterday, so I was very, very happy about that. Uh, if you, we'll put it in the show notes, but you know the you know the X-Men print if you've been on the internet because it's the eight <laughs> members from the animated series, all in their animated series costumes, all leaping into action, being amazingly badass. And it's gorgeously colored. So, well, I grew up with those X-Men from the cartoon. I know you do too from listening to the the podcast, but um, those are my favorites. So I had a lot of fun doing it. And you said you had uh, it on a loop playing in the background. <laughs> I did. I watched a lot of um, X Men the animated series while this was happening. But it was a uh, it was a good week. What uh, do you have any particular favorite episodes from that cartoon? Oh my god, my all well. Okay, as a kid, I loved you know all the Phoenix Saga and Dark Phoenix. But my favorite favorite might be the Rogue episode where she fights Ms. Marvel in her head. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, that was good. It's also weird to see like because that's from like the '90s when Carol Danvers was kind of like off the radar, which yeah. is the opposite of how she is now. Who knew who that was? Yeah, like, I didn't. But... I only knew her as the woman Rogue Solar Powers from for exactly. a long time. And then I knew her as Binary from the Paul Smith, you know, from the Ashes. So, you know that's my favorite thing if you listen to the show I, I talk about. I do. Uh, so, so you you love that as well, I assume. I do. Because how the fuck can you not love it's that? It's fantastic. I mean, Rogue is probably my favorite character, yep. one of. So that's a you know definitive Rogue. When did you first read uh, the From the Ashes era? Someone it was in the trade paperback. Yeah, that's my. I still have the trade paperback. The, that, like the brown one, right? Yeah, it was brown. I went and I got after I started watching the show. I read that and I read the Dark Phoenix Saga right, trade. That's exactly what I did. That's 100 percent what I did. And then the Jim Lee, you know, '90s comics. Yeah. And, and from God. There. 
Um, so you've sold out of it. Like, do you like when you um, when you wrote when you drew this? Like, what was in the back of your mind? Like, why did you choose this one? Because did you like this is going to blow up on the internet? Like, I know this is everyone's going to love this. I, I didn't think that. Like, I first started thinking, well, what should I do that you know people would like at the convention? And then I was like, well, what should I do that I would like that I would like to yeah. see? Or buy? so I just did that, you know. And I'm glad other people liked it too. Yeah. We've heard a lot of that, like the nostalgia from the '90s for the X-Men. It's coming. I mean, a lot of people I've talked to, this like the cartoon. All, all of the editors at Marvel. Like, I mean, like, and they're, like, Ginny Schaefer, even, like, Ming Doyle. Like, all these people who are comic pros were, like, I came in because of the X-Men cartoon. A lot of them specifically because of the women on that show. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I, love, I love strong women characters. Um, so, like, I think that's what gravitated me toward it. I don't know how at eight years old I knew that, but, you know. Well, it's, like, it, like indoctrinates you in a way. It's, like, if you're, when you're that young, you're impressionable. It's, like, oh, yeah, of course. The women kick as much ass as the men. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, in the season one finale, when, like, all the men go underground to, like, rescue Senator Kelly, and they just leave Rogue Jubilee and Storm upstairs to just destroy a million sisters. And they're all super badass. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't need those other guys, yeah, you know? Yeah, I love that. Um, you also just wrapped up a run of Superbia for Boom Studios. Yeah. How can you, like, tell us a little bit about that book and, like, what your experience was with that? Yeah, that was um, kind of my first big-ish thing. It was uh, being described as Desperate Housewives meets the Justice League. It's yeah. about all the significant others of the superheroes. And um, it was, I really enjoyed doing it. I mean, we had a really diverse cast. It was mainly women, and there was um, good, you know, gay characters. And uh, yeah, I love the diversity on it. I love the drama in it. And it was a fun mix of kind of soap opera and superheroes. Yeah. And I feel like it's, uh, it's made a big splash. I mean, I feel like we, you first messaged me like a year ago. I feel like you seem to have come so far since then in terms of like notoriety. I mean, this print definitely helped. You've had a big weekend, I would imagine. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I've been, I've been trying, you know. So. <laughs> I've been working. I've been drawing. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. I think also the more you do it, like I was on Superbia for the last two years, so oh, yeah. I think that's really helped, you know, bring things along. I mean, is that like your full-time job is just is drawing? Yeah. Oh. yeah. So you're living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's certainly a fun dream. <laughs> but yeah, I work from home. I draw every day, and I'm really happy. I hope I can keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, we always talk about the comics that you love. I mean, were there any other comics that like got you into it besides all the X-Men stuff? Or? I mean, X-Men got me into it for sure. But since then, I mean, I love Runaways, Brian K. Vaughn. I love um, The Long Halloween by uh, Jeff Loeb. Tim Sale. And Tim Sale. Yeah. Um, Gosh, right now I'm loving Saga and, you know, The Wake and Hawkeye. Oh, the Wake is so good. There's so many good yeah. books. Um, but yeah, I mean, X-Men, X-Men was my big, my big jam. Awesome. Well, it was really great talking to you. We'll have to have you on a full episode, a book club episode at some point. Well, I would love that. Yeah. I really love that. You're one of the first people that ever messaged me. About the like, show? I'll listen to the show. So, oh. Yeah, so. yeah, I caught on early because I followed your X-Men Tumblr. Oh, yes! <laughs> I am God. a nerdy super fan like that. <laughs> yeah, xmenyourface.tumblr.com. Yes, way to plug. I, Good yeah, plug. Which, yeah, which I started years ago because I noticed that all the, like, fuck yeah X-Men Tumblrs were dead. Oh, yeah? And I, and I was like, I'll do this. And then I just keep it up somehow. It's good. It's a very good, good mix. Yay. Well, thank you so much. This is all about me. <laughs> As it should be. Yeah. Well, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thank awesome. you. And those were all the interviews we got from New York Comic Con 2013. Thank you all for listening. And thanks for listening to me.
say big big year over and over again to literally everyone that i saw uh if you have more of a new york comic-con itch and you want to also jump into like a time machine you can go back to last year's episode episode number 38 where we talked to declan shalvey paulo rivera joe quinones ryan stegman maris wicks mike norton karina and gabe tim chamberlain and ming doyle god talked to a lot of people if you want to purchase Joe Harris's Wars in Toyland and find out just how awesome Adam Polina still is to this day, you can go to our website, uh, which is mattandbrettlovecomics.com, where you can also check out some of our back issues, like the time that we talked to Kelly Sue DeConnick about Warren Ellis's Planetary, or when we talked to Ryan Stegman about Daniel Klaus's The Death Ray. Uh, we also love hearing from every single one of you, so tell us what you think about this or any past episode on our website or Facebook page at facebook.com slash theylovecomics. You can find links to all of me and Matt's social presence, social media presence under the Who Loves Comics tab on the website, and if you like what you've heard here today, including that little word flub I just had, please rate and review the show in iTunes, but don't mention my clumsy mouth. Most importantly, you are our best spokespeople, so tell all of your friends about this show. As always, thanks to our producer, Ben Regeeb, who I have just shoved a whole bunch of links in the show notes, and I apologize for that. Until next week, this is Brett for Matt and Brett. Love comics. Tonight will be an open mic.